how can something like this survive in a community that has 247 full-time residents? If you did the math on that, I don't think you'd ever come to a conclusion that yes, if we built this here, we could have 20,000 people come in two and a half months. Like that was my, that was my fear. Welcome to East Idaho Entrepreneurs Podcast. Inspiring stories from local people and businesses you likely already know and trust. Here is your host, third generation family business entrepreneur, Renee Oswald. Hello, and welcome back to another episode of East Idaho Entrepreneurs. If you're a new listener, this is the show where I interview local business owners, entrepreneurs, and influencers and tell their origin stories. You guys, I love being inspired by their journeys and hearing how they're living their dreams. So buckle in and get ready for today's story. On the show today, I have a man who has provided entertainment and many laughs, mostly at his expense to thousands of guests every year. So welcome Drew Durant, co-owner of Yellowstone Playhouse in Island Park and Ratlin D Playhouse in Hurricane, Utah. Awesome, thanks for having me. We're great, grateful to catch you. Um, I was really fortunate to be able to nail you down. Unfortunately, it's because of COVID because you guys aren't having shows yet. It is, yeah, we've had to uh, postpone our season about a month. Normally we would open Memorial Day weekend. Uh, this year, we've pushed that back to the to the end of June. June 26th is when we'll open um, this year. Hopefully uh, we'll be well out of phase four of the governor's plan by that time. Yeah. So what will that look like? We'll still be socially distanced. Our groups will be socially distanced. We will. Yeah. Our, our uh, theater can seat 300 uh, on a normal, under normal circumstances. Uh, this year we've uh, decided to forego dinner service, so we won't be serving dinner. Uh, and we've limited our house size to about 125, 150 people and we'll space them out. So your group will be its own little pod and then six feet away, next group, and, yeah. and we'll just kind of Jenga them in there best as we can. So if I want to come with my 50 my family members, I need to make sure we're buying tickets all together. Absolutely, yeah. One, either one reservation or multiple reservations as long as they note, hey, I want to sit with, with the, the, this group. Yep. Well, that will be Jenga for you guys, because usually you're doing Jenga with like two Z's here and four Z's here, and now it's going to be groups of people that you're going to have to put together. Yes, it is. And instead of just one concession area, we're going to have about four or five concession areas around the theater so that people can get up and enjoy some snacks and still be socially distancing so that we're not... Um, spreading you out for the show and then herding you together in a line for concessions. <laughs> I know, it's funny. When we want to eat, though, it seems like we'll look the other way. Yeah, like, it's okay, I can be six feet between. Well, yeah. we will miss the prime rib. It's going to be different without the dinner show. Yeah, we've been doing the prime rib since 2008 um, with a, a two-year break there in the middle. But, yeah, we've served a lot of prime rib over the years. And, and to have a recipe as good as ours just kind of sitting uh, for a year. Unfortunate, but we'll get through it and we'll be back next year with the same great food. It'll marinate and be even better. It will. Yeah, we'll, <laughs> we'll start it marinating now. Okay, so we kind of jumped ahead a little bit, but I would assume everyone knows what the Yellowstone Playhouse is, but let's back up and tell us, you know, what what is the Yellowstone Playhouse? What are the typical, what's the typical season for the Yellowstone Playhouse, where are you? Yeah, typical season runs from Memorial Day to Labor Day. Uh, we, we do shows nightly from about the middle of June until Labor Day. We do three different productions 
All of them are family friendly, stuff that a four-year-old can laugh right alongside a 94-year-old grandma. Uh, we get a lot of families, a lot of youth groups, and so we always keep our, our content, I would say, on the low end of a PG. Um, we do family-friendly musical spoofs. So in the past, we've done Phantom of the Grand Old Opry. We've done, and we're doing this year, Less Miserables, a whole lot less miserable. We've done a spoof on Robin Hood. We've done Homeschool Musical instead of High School Musical. Um, this year, we're doing Three Amigos, Showdown at the Del Taco Ranch, and uh, Peter Pan, a parody. So three different shows that, that run in repertory throughout the whole season. So this year, they'll open June 26th. And we'll open all three at the same time, and then the rest of the summer, we'll rotate them nightly. Okay. No Ramona this year? No Ramona. Ramona's taking a break. Yeah. Wow. We're not sure if the COVID got her or wow. where, where she is, but she will not be with us. She'll be back next year for sure. Well, again, we're going to send Ramona our best regards okay. and hopefully yeah. get her back. Absolutely. For those of you who don't know what I'm talking about, Ramona is kind of a variety show, would you say? It is, yeah. It's a character that I came up with. Um, shoot about 10 years ago. One of our actresses was down in, in uh, finishing up finals at Utah State. And so I was reading her part and my part, and her part was a woman named Ramona. And, and I went home during lunch and said, hey, maybe I should play the part. My wife goes, I don't know, that might not be very funny. And I said, well, let's try it. And Ramona was born, and it's kind of our signature character here at the at the playhouse that we do, that yes. I've done for 10 years. And contrary to your wife's belief, Ramona is hilarious. She worked. She worked. <laughs> it was till opening night. Opening night, I was nervous till we got our first laugh, because uh, you, you never know how people are going to kind of take it, yeah. a guy dressed as a, a woman, but it's it's uh, family friendly. And uh, yeah, she, she there's a little bit of Ramona in all of us, is what I say. My mother-in-law is convinced that it's based on her. <laughs> But it's not. It's based on a lot of different people that I've had in my life. No one person in particular. Let's just be clear. We don't want to have any marital strife Absolutely here. It has not. nothing no. to do with the mother-in-law. I love it. Well, if you all have not had a chance to get to Yellowstone Playhouse and see any of the things that we're talking about, um, this is the year to do it. You wouldn't get dinner, but the ticket prices are less. They are, yeah. We're going $20 a ticket. Um, it's about a two, two and a... 15-minute show. Um, we'll open the doors at 6.30 so you can buy some concessions and snacks. We'll have nachos and pretzel bites and things like that. Popcorn, cotton candy, or cinnamon rolls. All the staples. All the staples, uh -huh. all the good stuff. Yes. Uh, it'll all be pre-wrapped and ready to go so that we're not having to mess with that can soda and stuff. Show will start at 7 o'clock. We usually get you out of here by about 9 o'clock. And uh, yeah, this is, the, this is the year. Last year we had 20,000 people come. And we were sold out 45 nights in a row. It was uh, it was packed. So to go from that to uh, a half-filled house will be full. Um, we're still going to be giving the same energy and the same fun on stage, just just under different circumstances this year. Yeah. Well, maybe as a, as an audience, we're going to even get more attention. You will from absolutely. You, less absolutely of us. less of you. <laughs> we won't wear ourselves out doing dinner because my True yeah that. my crew of ten college-age performers they seat. They serve, they bus, uh, afterwards they clean up, and and in between that time they do the show. So, no, we'll have some energy to spare this year. So there should be lots of energy. There always is, but there should be just a little bit more this year having not served be, be uh, wearing ourselves out serving dinner for an hour. So tell me, how do you talk those kids into 
I mean, obviously they're interested in performing, but this isn't just that, because like you said, they're cooking, cleaning, serving, all of these other things. What, how do you talk them into coming and doing this? So every year we go to the Rocky Mountain Summerstock Theater auditions there in Orem, Utah, on the campus of UVU. And there's 130 kids each year that will come uh, about 90 seconds each time. And we sit there with other theaters in the area, Jackson Hole Playhouse, Play Mill, Pickleville, um, Tuacon is there every once in a while. And uh, they'll just go through and then it's kind of draft day for theater. So we call them back, we meet with them in a little room all day. And uh, out of those 130, we pick 10. And we just let them know up front, hey, this is what we pay. We pay a little bit more than most theaters in the area because they're doing extra work. Um, we feed them every night, and so that helps. We, we give them free housing as part of their contract, and it's experience. It's, um, it's like lifting weights or any kind of uh, uh, other kind of exercise. The more you do it, the more comfortable you'll be. So being able to tell them, hey, you're going to perform for 20,000 people in a short two-and-a-half-month window, that's appealing to a lot of these kids because these kids have goals and dreams and the talent to match to go on to Broadway or or to a con or cruise ships or bigger things. It's kind of a stepping stone for them yeah. from educational theater to a more professional theater environment. So we kind of fill that gap. Um, and yeah, it's good. It's good for them. They get a lot of experience and, uh, and have fun while they're doing it. So how does that compare to other places if I was one of those kids to go? Is 20,000 people a lot to... I mean, that's a big number to me, but... Yeah, 20,000 people is... is is pretty good. Um, a place like Hale down in Salt Lake, they're going to have hundreds of thousands of people uh -huh, a year, uh -huh. especially with their new building. Um, Desert Star down there in Salt Lake, where we get a lot of our shows go bigger. I know the Play Mill, they do two shows a night up the road. Oh, got it. And so they'll go a little bit more than that. Got it. When we took this over in 2005, or 2008, sorry, when we took it over in 2008, we had about 5,000 people coming. And uh, so that's pretty good growth for us in, in 12 years. <laughs> that's pretty good growth. It's a big number to us uh, as well. And, and we're, we, we're kind of maxed out. We can sit 300. And last year we had 65 of our nights were sold out. We had 45 in a row. Um, we, we probably could have and should have built a bigger building. But we want to keep it intimate. We want to keep it family friendly. Uh, we're, we're not doing it all about the money. We, we want to bring joy and happiness. and. If you're eight rows back or nine rows back, it, it just, it's a different show. Yeah. So we've kept it just five rows in our theater, about um, 50, 60 people on a row. Try to keep that yeah, same experience. Yeah, try to keep it small and intimate and, and family friendly, not go too big with it. So one of the things that makes you different is that you're doing parodies because some of these other theaters are doing like traditional straight productions. Yeah. And you're doing parodies. Like we're coming here to laugh. Yeah, and a lot of traditional theater, they'll say, you get a show from New York, say you're doing Fiddler on the Roof or Seven Brides for Seven Brothers, they ship you, it really comes in a box. And you open it up and it has a director's copy and notes and this is how you should do it on a lot of the shows. And you open up the box and you hand out the scripts and there's, a, there's an old saying in theater that if it's not on the page, it's not on the stage. Because you don't want the, the author to get offended that you're adding or taking away from his work. And so you have to stick pretty strict with those shows. With parody, we drive in a, an entirely different lane. Yes. Um, it's, I would say it's legitimate talent, uh, of course, but, but um, the, the theater that we drive in, 
a, a lot of the stuff that's on our stage was never on the page. And uh, we, can, we can play a little bit uh, more off the energy and add and delete. And we can add songs, we can change characters, we can change genders, we can change locations. It gives us a lot more freedom than you could with a traditional show like an Oklahoma or a painter wagon or some of these old westerns that, that some of the theaters do. I, I like to lean towards we just go for the laugh. Yeah. We talk about laugh per minute. We're trying to make people enjoy themselves. We're not here to change the world or teach a moral or have a, <laughs> a deep, meaningful conversation about a social issue. We just want you to come with your family on vacation or on a weekend trip up from the valley and just laugh with us because we're laughing. We're, we're enjoying it. There's no fourth wall in our theater where uh, that's the imaginary wall between the stage and the actors a lot of people you don't make eye contact you don't break that fourth wall or it breaks the illusion there's no fourth wall in our theater right you're bringing the, the audience into some of the stuff that you're doing yeah we try to make it more like you're coming to our living room and you're laughing with us like you get some good friends together and you're just like let's make fun of this that or the other yes and so that's really the formula that that we take i've done traditional theater i performed at hale in salt lake did 1776 one of the most serious shows that you could do and loved it had a great experience there and in college and, and growing up did a lot of quote unquote traditional theater um and and it certainly has its place but up here we the, we've kind of made ourselves different by driving in this lane of family-friendly musical spoofs. So I've noticed that when you do your intro, you really call that out and say, hey, if you're here for a serious play, you're in the wrong place. Have you gotten feedback before that people don't like what you're doing? Well, some out-of-town people might drive through and not understand what they're getting, especially with uh, like a Ramona. If you're, if you're not, if you don't know what you're getting with Ramona, um, those first five minutes can be kind of tense because you're like, oh, where's he going to go with this? Is it going to go inappropriate? Is this going to go blue go humor? Political. Is there going to be political or innuendo? Once they realize, hey, I'm a, I'm a family man and my kids are in the audience laughing right next to you, I'm not going to say anything that's going to um, offend them or my values or principles. Then people kind of relax. They, they have a lot yeah. more fun with Ramona the second time or after that first five minutes. But we try to make our, our show titles um, obvious, obvious enough that any reasonable person should be able to know when they come and see the Prince Less Bride, they're not seeing the Princess Bride. Right. And the Homestead. art around it typically is pretty caricature kind of. It is, yeah. Hey, this isn't so serious. Yeah, our, our sets are, are, are big and uh, uh, over-exaggerated and our characters are large and our costumes are, are big. You have a, a, a fairly serious, substantial dinner. We, we don't really joke around with our prime rib or our chicken very That's much. That's for sure. But then once we get on stage, yeah, I kind of warm people up with, hey, let's, uh, let's reach underneath our chairs, grab our sense of humor because you're going to need it tonight. Well, all the pressure is on you and your team because we don't have no prime rib to be backing us up. So I know, more pressure I know. on you yeah, guys this Usually year. a dinner theater is 50-50, but now it's going to be... 100% the show, yeah. but I think it'll deliver. I think you can deliver. Yeah. I think I think you're going to do just fine. So let's go back, because you've mentioned 2008 a few times. You didn't start in this building. This building is new as of last year. Correct. So where were you in 2008? And I understand you did a 2008 to 2012 and then took a couple-year hiatus. So we did. give us a little background. Like, what even brought you 
to Island Park, for goodness sake. I mean, I know why we come to Island Park, but what was the genesis of even starting something like this? Yeah, I'd, I'd always wanted to. My grandparents met on stage and um, were, were performers. And when I was going to college, BYU-Idaho, I came up to BYU-Idaho to participate in summer stock. I wanted to do a dinner theater. And my goal since I was about 15, talking to my grandparents and wanting to do that. And so I came up to BYU-Idaho. I got hooked up with Maxim Dinner Theater at the time. This was 2002 and was a performer there for a couple of years while I was going to college. At BYU-Idaho, you have to do an internship to graduate. I was a business management um, major with a theater minor. And so I uh, decided to um, petition them to have me do my internship at Maxin Dinner Theater. So in 2005 or 2004, so 2004 I uh, did my internship at um, Maxin Dinner Theater. I ran the box office and, and was in the shows. And uh, after I graduated college, I still wanted to do theater. I got hooked up with a theater in Chubbuck, Idaho called The Mystique. Yeah, um, I Mystique, theater. yeah. So I went down there as the box office manager for a few months, and then I was the general manager. We had a little restaurant, they had a chamber theater, and then they had the, the grand theater. Yeah. I directed all the shows for that year. We did Guys and Dolls, Peter Pan, Scrooge, um, Les Mis, the, the student edition. Um, we did Annie. And um, after about a year, I got, I got married, found my wife, met her on that stage. I was directing Footloose. She was in it. And, um, is she an Idaho girl? She is. She's from Pocatello okay. originally. Mm -hmm. And so I met and married her. We actually got married on that stage. Oh, and, and about a, two weeks after we were married, uh, wanted to make a change. Reached out to the owner of Maxin at the time, Chad Bauer, um, who had helped me run my internship and said, Hey, I'm married now and I'm looking to to move to Island Park and do you have a spot? So we were in the show that year, me and my wife. And as we were driving around collecting garbage one day in 2007, during the summer of 2007, we parked and we were talking. I said, hey, Chad, would you ever consider leasing your theater? He had just kind of been running it himself. And um, he said, well, to who? And I said, oh, well, to me. And he said, yeah, I'd, I'd consider that. And so uh, I got all the business side of it uh, put together with my pro formas and my, where I, what, how much money I would need and what, what I would do and uh, showed it to Chad. And Chad said, yeah, I'll lease it to you and, and uh, I'll be your, your money guy as well. So we partnered up and we're 50-50 partners and changed the name to Maxim Playhouse in 2008. Uh, I grew up down in West Jordan, Utah, attending Desert Star Playhouse. And they do these family-friendly spoofs. Uh -huh. And uh, ever since I was, you know, shoot, six or seven, I've been watching their shows. I love their shows. And we're, we're 20 minutes away from the Playmill. Playmill's been around for over 50 years. They do a phenomenal job with the traditional theater route. Rather than compete with them, because they're, they're a, a giant in that um, area of theater, decided to kind of make ourselves different. Reached out to Desert Star, told, called the owner and said, hey, I've been a fan of yours for a while. You don't know, know me, but would you franchise with me or would you let me use your shows? He said, I don't want to franchise, but I'll let you use our shows. And so that first year we did Butch Cassidy and the Sunburnt Kid and we did um, um, Phantom of the Grand Ole Opry. Back then we only did two shows and we changed the meals to the prime rib and the chicken. Uh -huh. And we were here, me and Chad were partners for five years at Maxin, Maxin Playhouse. And um, at the end of the five years, 
then we, we took a little break. But that's kind of how we got, how it kind of got started. I was an intern and then I, and then kind of, um, decided you wanted to be the business. Yeah, I thought maybe, maybe if I could talk him into it, then yeah. maybe I'll do it. Well, and that so, worked out. Yeah. So then what were you doing in, that was obviously the summertime. Did you have another gig then that you did on off season? You know, I was trying. Every off season seemed different. I was, I had a few rental properties in Pocatello, a couple. Oh, do- so you were living in Pocatello? Yeah, we were living uh-huh. in Pocatello in the off season. Got it. And I was substitute teaching. I helped open. <laughs> you were the everything. Huh? I helped open the Costco, um, Pocatello Costco. Yeah. I was a gas station, and I was a morning stalker. Um, I flipped a few houses. I would really just do. Anything, Whatever. everything to keep the dream alive. Try to make enough in the summer to get us through the winter, which never worked. And so about uh, October, I ran like, out of money, uh-oh. and I would go, <laughs> I'd go find something part time to 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 work with. To, Had this always been your dream, though? Like the the stage and the theater, like this is your love. You have to do this. It was, it was, yeah. When I was growing up, I really, really wanted to. And then, uh, like any teenager or college kid. I kind of self self doubt creeps in. You're going, oh, maybe I should use my degree and do something more stable because I don't know of anybody that makes a living doing a dinner theater, a true dinner theater like we're doing. I don't know any of them personally, and so it's kind of one of those alien concepts of I know there are people out there doing it, but I don't know them, and, and I don't can know we how make they it? did it, mm-hmm. and can I make it, and can it work in this area? And so, uh, well, when I when I started to Propose it to Chad Bauer. Um, I called my grandpa and I said, "Hey, this is what I want to do, but I don't think I have the the experience or the expertise." And and my grandpa, he said, "Well, nobody knows that but you. So throw your hat in the ring, and do, you don't need to point out what you don't know. Focus on what you do know." And so uh, I credit my grandpa with with really putting me on the path of owning a theater. And, and my mom always supported me growing up doing theater, driving me everywhere I needed or wanted to go. Well, I love your grandpa's advice. I think for business owners, as we look at opportunities that we have, sometimes we can be really paralyzed by all the what ifs and I'm not really ready and you know, this insecure feeling that you're talking about. And you don't know unless you just do it. And it's okay if it doesn't work out, then you know, we just have to move. Oftentimes that's really hard for us to do. Okay, so closed up shop in 2012, came back when? 18? Uh, 2015. Oh, 15. So, yeah, in 2012, in August of 2012, I, I had a, a preliminary agreement on the Rigby Bowling Alley. I was going to go down there and, and lease to own the Rigby Bowling Alley yeah. in the, and do that in the winters and do this in the summers. And one of my, um, that deal kind of fell apart in late August. One of my patrons um, from Southern Utah, came in with his wife after a show and said, hey, we'd like to partner with you. Um, we have the school for, for uh, troubled teens or residential treatment down in St. George. And he said, we would love to do a theater program and then let's go do a theater there in the winter and you can come back up here in the summer. And so I went down there and, and um, kind of felt it out. And, and in the process of being down there, we started the Ratland D Playhouse. And it was gonna be a year round dinner theater um, and so we kind of cut ties up here at Max Inn. Uh-huh. I thought your time in Iowa Park was done. Yeah, I thought it was done. And um, and for two years, we did our theater down there. And they built us a building down there with a beautiful theater in it. And we started to get some traction. And in 2015, my partner, Rob Diaz, 
um, called me and said, hey, don't hang up the phone, but do you want to go somewhere else? And uh, I said, well, <laughs> what no, are you I doing thought, to me? Yeah, what are we doing? I thought we had a good thing going. And he said, no, if you could find a place in Jackson Hole or West Yellowstone or, or Island Park or anywhere, let's go do let's a summer. Do it. Let's go do a summer, a summer stock again. Great. And so in 2015, uh, I contacted my old partner, Chad, that owned Max Inn Resort at the time, and we came back up and brought the same shows and a lot of the same crew and the same food. And uh, we've been here ever since. Yeah, and then it was too small, and you needed a new place. It was, yeah. We there we would we would pack out at about two twenty, and uh, and it was hot. And it was hot, and the bathrooms were <laughs> oh they were, scary. were rough, and uh, it was a cinder block building with a flat roof, so the snow up here uh, every every year it was walk in and find the new leak, and. Um, but, but it served us well. It yeah, was a good. Yeah, yeah. It was a good. I, I drive by that building now, and and I still have little warm fuzzy I'm feelings because, sure gosh dang it, it was a hole in the wall. But at least it was my hole in the yeah, wall. Yeah. Uh, I mean, we were leasing it at the time, but um, after about three years, Rob, my partner, and Rob and Sherry said, "Hey, find some land up here, and let's uh, let's build one that has the parking and has the state of the art lights and sound and and." triple the let's bathroom size right. and let's do it right. Mm -hmm. And so I just looked up Highway 20. I didn't know of any land for sale, so I just pulled up the Fremont County map and I went right up Highway 20 and it shows who owns what. And I just started to cold call. And I cold called uh, Wendell Weiniger, who owns Valley View RV up right, here. Right. Saw he owned quite a bit on both sides of the road. I called him and said, hey, would you entertain a a meeting let me take you to lunch and he said well, I don't need lunch but you can come meet with me and so I went up and met with Wendell and told him what I wanted to do I'd known him from church and known him from um, being a patron at our theater and he has a theater background so he wants to build this north side of Island Park yeah and that's kind of where he's he's put his energies and efforts and so that's how it all kind of came to be now we're up here and we're on five acres and it's a 10,000 square foot theater with state-of-the-art LED lighting, and and we have curtains at Maxin. We never had curtains, so <laughs> you, you think you need. Well, the first thing you would think you would need for a theater, it's curtains, sounds, lights, and curtains. But no, I, we proved for for uh, ten years that you don't you, you don't need, need curtains. You just need a, a a decent product and a lot of energy. And here we are sitting in the crying room. We are, yeah, where we have so many families come. One of our goals was let's have, if a, if a kid starts to fuss, it, it's tough because one, they, they either won't take them out because they don't want to miss the show, which ruins the show for a lot of people around them. Or, and, and so we wanted them to come, still be able to enjoy the show and have us enjoy the show and get their money's worth. And so we have this little, it's not huge, but it's got speakers in it and, and, and some glass that overlooks the stage. And um, it, it was a hot, Hot ticket item last year. We had quite a few. There were times when it was standing room only <laughs> in this little cry room. Well, um, as patrons, I appreciate I appreciate that very much because it is distracting, and you want families to come. But yeah, yeah, for those of us who don't have little kids, we're kind of judgmental. Yeah, and and a lot of theaters they'll tap you and ask you to remove the baby, and I'm, I'm we love doing that. We would do it at Max Inn. We would tap them. But it's, it, you kind of put them in a, in a lose situation if you tap them and you have nowhere for them to go. Yeah, right. So we have one staff whose job the entire evening is to stand back here, 
Give the kid say, about hey, come on yeah, one and a half, maybe two strikes. Go tap them and say, hey, please go utilize our cry room. Yeah. And it just reminds them, oh, yeah, because a lot of parents are kind of put on their parent ears. Oh, yeah, we and get don't, distracted. Yeah, don't yeah. hear them. And Absolutely. So, yeah, this is a nice place for them to go and enjoy the show. So talk to me about performing, Drew. Obviously, you are not only running this show. You are in every show. And sometimes you're in multiple roles in every show. So what do you enjoy about performing? Well, the, just that. I love um, my, my, first, my first love would be being on the stage. Um, I, I, I love getting up and making people laugh. A lot of people, when they met me in college, they would, they, I would tell them, hey, I perform in the summers. And, and I'm pretty low-key when I'm not on stage. Right. And I mean, so to people... just talk to you, it's like no one would understand the Ramona thing. Yeah, a lot of people, if they, know, if they know me outside of theater, if they just, uh, I've, I've dealt with them in the community, but they've never come and seen the show, they're, they're kind of blown away because I, I Who do, you become. Yeah, who I become on stage. <laughs> and I can't quite explain it uh, myself. A lot of people, when they leave, my wife will be standing in the lobby with me. I like to shake everybody's hands, not this year, but I like to shake everybody's hands when they leave and thank them for coming. And numerous people and I will stop my wife and say, hey, he must be He's so hilarious. fun. He must be so fun to live with all the time. And she's very kind. She says, yeah. Yeah, he's dirty. But, but then she laughs at me and says, no, he's pretty low key when he's not on stage. <laughs> um, but yeah, I like all, all aspects of it. I, I write one of the shows each year. I perform in all three of the shows. I direct all three of the shows. I help serve the food. I, I, I don't want to ever be out of touch with, if it's my business, I want to, I'm going to own whatever's on the stage, whatever content happens, whatever food quality there is, whatever um, good or bad with the experience, I want to be right in the trenches watching them and, and being able to fix it and affect the evening as much as I can. Yeah. Uh, I mean, there will come a time, I've got a, I've got a five or ten year plan of maybe not being in all the shows every year and doing um, doing so much. But right now, while I have the energy, um, I might as well. You enjoy it. Yeah, I enjoy it. It recharges me. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, well, it's clear. And, you know, I have watched as you have been off the stage managing your crew through dinner and everything. And you are pretty low-key. It's You know, I don't see you being all spun up telling them everywhere to go and... Maybe a little bit, just because you got to pull off this dinner. But, you know, I mean, it's pretty organized. And you guys, it's amazing what you can do in intermission. Yeah. Yeah, with 10, with we have 10 employees servicing typically 300 people yeah. for dinner and the show and then concessions. Plus, we always have to take pictures with everyone. Yeah, and they love that. They yeah. love that. So the cast, yeah, we, we it all starts with our people. We, we go to that uh, audition. And we're not, we, we're not looking for the best. Of course, we're looking for as good of a performer as we can get, but we don't want a diva, and we don't want somebody that doesn't know how I it works. Yeah, I and don't so serve if, people. Yeah, mm -hmm. so so we really go for quality of uh, the individual, and we get the best uh, talented person and the best quality individual. My family's up here, and my kids look up to the cast, so we really go for hard worker, humble, uh, humble, and and good performers. Yeah, just to have a, a fun experience ourselves. So you've mentioned your family a couple of times. Are they involved in the productions? They are. Yeah, my wife. Um, my wife does the choreography with my brother-in-law, and uh, my wife kind of assistant direct. She does all the costumes. 
Um, she helps train the box office. Back when we were the first five years at Max Inn, she ran the box office while I did the, she did the front of house, I kind of did the back of house stuff. And uh, then as we had kids, I mean, we had a pack and play set up in the box office because she, both of, both of my oldest kids were born up here during the season. And so when it was a family, uh, and it's still very family, but, but now, bless her heart, she doesn't have to be in the box office. She gets to be a mom and come and go as she pleases. But those first five years, she did all the phone answering the phones. I was doing the cooking with some help, and it was it was a it was a it was a challenge. But yeah, she still two man show. It, well, yeah, thing. it was, and and she still helps a lot with the artistic stuff. So I'll direct it, I'll block it, and set it, and she'll come in and and tweak it and say, <laughs> "Oh, wait a minute, that that joke, it. yeah, it doesn't really." It's good to have a fresh set of eyes. She kind of comes in after it's all done. And she can get a fresh set of eyes and say, hey, I know where you're going with that joke, but it's not hitting right. Or, hey, that person's blocking this person. Just some stuff that I may overlook because I'm directing it while I'm on stage. So I don't have an extra set of eyes. Then she does all the costuming, which is phenomenal. And she does a lot of the choreography with her brother. Well, here's what I appreciate about your wife. She's an Idaho girl. So when you drop those Utah jokes, she can say those those are going to land she is yeah she <laughs> thinks they they all land and with a lot of our shows um with the utah jokes and then and we've done homeschool musical several years oh, she yes. was homeschooled my wife okay. her whole family so i feel like i've got that in my back pocket yes, if you anybody do. gets offended by our homeschool joke you or a utah joke i can say hey i was born and raised in utah that's where i still live in the off season <laughs> And my wife was homeschooled. She doesn't take offense. We're all just here to have some fun. So it gives me a couple cards to play. Well, the love goes around because I know there's been a dig. I'm a Rigby person. I I remember there being a Jefferson County dig once in a while. So the love goes around. Yeah, nobody's nobody's (laughs) off limits. We hit Income. We hit Blackfoot. We hit... uh, we hit Utah quite a bit. We hit Republicans, Democrats. We we try You're to just equal. Yeah, we're not uh, equal opportunity laughs. Not we try not to offend. Our goal is never to offend anybody. Um, Have but, you had anybody come up and say that was so offensive? I've never come. Yeah, back. yeah. Of course, with twenty thousand people, you can't please everybody. And if you did try to please everybody, um, you just drive yourself crazy. So, so the ultra ultra conservative. Um, we've 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 had over the years of the hundred thousand people easily a dozen that have come up and so we, we thank them for their feedback and just say, and just hey, say yeah, on your way you don't yeah, have to come if back they're, if they're really <laughs> offended here's your money back and because we're not going to make money off anybody that doesn't appreciate what we're doing and thank thankfully there's enough people that are that kind of share our sense of humor and our values and our limits of where you can and can't go with theater so well i will tell you one of the things i love about the setup and i will miss this year is that integration with people that i don't know because you have had to sit us next to you know groups and people that we didn't come with and i leave having a new best friend yeah and so i i mean i think this environment really does um, promote that kind of camaraderie and we're just all here having fun and joking around and so that will be we'll just have to do it from six feet apart I guess yeah hopefully hopefully and maybe towards the end of the summer we won't have to space you quite six feet apart maybe we'll get away with four or three depending on what the governor we said. just got to pray for a vaccine and then absolutely. hopefully things yep. will Let's turn around a little bit everybody and then 
sit on laps again. <laughs> and then you can joke about the anti-vaxxers. Oh yeah, we've got, we've got some of those already lined up. <laughs> All right, so you said you actually majored in business and you minored in theater because one of the things I've been thinking about as you've talked about this is you, you know, I mean, theater's your love, but you are running a business now. So how, I mean, and you have from the beginning of doing Maxan and everything, but was that a transition for you to learn how to run a business? What, what advice do you have for people who are new to business and maybe have their love in their craft and now they have to run a business? Yeah, I think it's, it's not, it's being okay with what you don't know. Like I still don't know how to work Excel uh, as well as some other people, but I know enough to, to, to be semi-effective. And, and there's so many YouTube videos that you can, I, I do all of our logos. I'm not, a, I'm not a designer, but I can't afford to pay somebody what a, what a really good designer's worth. And so I have some designer friends, I'll design them and then bounce them over to it. So when I get stuck in Photoshop, I Google uh, YouTube. I just hey, learn how, it. How do I make this sepia or how do I layer this? <laughs> or some stuff that's probably duh to other business people. But to me, it's being comfortable with what you what you don't know and asking help. Um, I've I've got a, a good network of people on my phone that if I have I'm not a technical theater guy, but I've got a lot of tech equipment, and so I'll, I text text or reach out to people and don't be ashamed of oh gosh people think that I know it all. No, I should no. know this. And, yeah, I, sh I? I should know this. Uh -huh. The time for learning this. Is gone. I'm 38. <laughs> I should have already known how to make something. It maxed sepia. out. There's yeah, no more yeah, knowledge. Yeah, I've peaked. But that was the that was the main thing. Is going back to what my grandpa said. Just realize what you don't know, but don't don't have it as a crutch or don't don't have it prevent you from doing what you're doing. the The first few years we couldn't afford costumes. Real these nice costumes from from Hollywood or or. We've got a mask that's a $900 mask that an actor can put on that changes them into a, uh, an old man. It's like a, a Mission Impossible. The same company that made the Mission Impossible wow. mask made this mask. Wow. Well, the first few years we couldn't do that. We, were, we would load up the cast and we would go down to the DI in Idaho Falls, <laughs> honestly, and we would say, what can we make work? Uh -huh. And then I would call people that I knew kind of could sew and said, hey, I need this to kind of look like this. And, and you just do as much as you can with as much as you know at the time, and then hopefully it'll pay off down the road, and you can you can uh, not make the DI trips for your for your costumes. Only but. on the special days do yeah, you get to yeah, go to absolutely. DI now. Well, looking back on your entrepreneurial journey, what would you say is the biggest risk that you've taken? The biggest risk that I've taken. I, th I think the thing that, that kept me up or made me worried um, was I, kn I knew that this formula, these shows worked in Salt Lake in a big market. My, my challenge or my fear, my biggest fear was, was will that translate here in, in a smaller market? If you drive through Island Park, um, I drove around Henry's Lake the other um, a few days ago just on a scenic drive. And as I drove up to the theater again, I was amazed at how big it was. And I'm going, how can something like this survive in a community that has 247 full-time residents? Yeah, yeah. full-time residents. If you did the math on that, 
I don't think you'd ever come to a, a, a conclusion that yes, if we built this here, we could have 20,000 people come in two and a half months. Like that was my, that was my fear. That was the thing that, that, that kept me up at night is wondering, okay, will they come? Will they come? If you build it when we hadn't built this yet, we were still at max in. But if you put in that effort and change the direction that the theater had been going for 20 years, for the 20 years before me, they did Paint Your Wagon, Annie Get Your Gun, Seven Brides for Seven Brothers. And um, the, the, those shows don't really do it for me. And the Playmills doing those same shows very, very well, 20 minutes away. Right, so you don't need and to so, do them. Well, yeah, so why try to try to compete in that sense when, when they've got what, what they've built? And so that was the big fear was, I think it'll work. I think this is funny. I think this is marketable. A few people around me think it is too. Maybe they're confirmation biased. So you kind of look at, right. it's hard to look at it with clean eyes. Um, that, that, was a, that was a fear that turned into the success that we, we have now. Yeah, look at you. It's awesome. Awesome. I'm sure you didn't anticipate COVID throwing you this little curveball. None of us anticipated that you'd have a curveball as big as this. No, so. this, uh, this time last year, I actually made the comment to my, my wife. We go down to Southern Utah in the off season we do a Christmas show and a Valentine's show. And in the middle of our Valentine's show, it's sold out every single night, um, 16 nights. And in the middle of the Valentine's show, I told my wife, I'm like, hey, as long as we don't offend our audiences and we keep our, our food and our show good. There's nothing not, that's yeah, going to what, what can stop us? Right, well, what can stop yeah, us? And then, and, and then <laughs> about a month later. Volcano, yeah, outside of that <laughs> erupting, and then nothing's going to matter at that point anyway. Right. I said, nothing, as long as we stay on top of it and we don't get lazy and we don't get complacent, we should have this. The same, yeah, this is good. And then a month later, right as our Valentine's show ended um, in March, is when. Everything was everything happening. Yeah. was happening, wow. and it went from, oh, it's not gonna. There's no worry. To oh, there is a worry. To no, oh, crap. we won't do dinner. <laughs> to oh, now we gotta postpone our, our season a month. To now we may not have a season. To now oh, we do have a season. So yeah, it's been a, a roller coaster, uh, ride to say the least. Um, this year. Have there any ever been any thoughts of going later than Labor Day? Yeah, the uh, thought about it. The the problem is all of our actors are college oh, yes. performers. So mm -hmm. if um, the, the, they miss the first week of school as it they, is, as it mm -hmm. is. Uh, my my kids go back two three weeks before I end here. So I, I think we would have an audience. It's just finding the right show. I could do it because it's what I do for a living. Um, <laughs> you but, be a one man show. But I would, yeah, uh, the one man show is is kind of a, a five year plan, <laughs> not a right now thing. And so it's it's tough to find those the the crew to do what we do um, to to maybe run weekends in September. So that that's why we kind of. We end on a bang. Yeah. Well, uh, those of us who love it after Labor Day would certainly support you. So, you know, I'd be in the audience. I know. I, I stay up here the whole month of September. <laughs> yeah, it's awesome. And enjoy the weather. And, yeah. and it's beautiful. But the it, best month. it just conflicts with school. So what's the future for Yellowstone Playhouse? Well, we're going to keep doing what we've always been doing. Uh, three shows a year. Um, rotate. We have about 10 to 12 shows 
that we're, we're going to rotate every four years um, and update them. Um, and we have a variety show that we'll do different bits and skits and songs in. Um, the, the, the same thing, we're, we're just here, we're, obviously we're here for the long run with the investment that we've made into Island Park. And uh, we're just going to try to keep laughing for as long as people will come and laugh yeah. with us. Yeah, we need those. We need those laughs. Drew, is there anything else you want to share with the listeners today? It has been so fun to talk to you. Is there anything that we've left out that you'd like to share? No, just um, if you have a chance, we'd love to have you come up and laugh with us. And we'd love the opportunity to be on a program um, like this. But before I mean, you've come to our shows, I didn't even realize until you reached out to me that this was going on. So now I've I've got to do now my homework. Now you're going to be my, a fan of I've East got, Idaho Entrepreneurs Absolutely. Podcast. I've got 63 episodes <laughs> I need to go yes, binge, binge listen to. <laughs> now that Tiger King's over, I have the time so I can... Uh, There's your is, next show. Yeah. Put, it, got, put on a parody got, of... Oh, it doesn't even have to be a parody of Tiger No, no. How do you parody a, a parody? Now, we've well, got a few go. Tiger King jokes lined up, but no, we, we appreciate being part of this program and... And uh, we'll go back and listen to other people and then going forward. Thanks for letting me track you down. Thank you so much for the show today. And I'm sorry that your season has been interrupted by this pandemic, but I'm so happy that the show must go on. So just with a little revision. Thank you so also for so many laughs. I have absolutely laughed until I have cried here. And thinking even right now, it makes me giggle, of the sisters sketch still makes me laugh because that was hilarious. And if you don't know what I'm talking about, you just need to come and see one of the variety shows or maybe look it up on Saturday Night Live. But it was better here, (laughs) better here. Um, So thank you for all your classic lines and just keep sharing your talents with us. Bring us smiles, and it is something that's so needed right now, so thanks again. Right on. Thank you. As a reminder, this show is sponsored by Oswald Service and Repair with locations in Idaho Falls and Rexburg. So if you're looking for quality automotive repair provided with honesty and integrity, you need to come see us and let our family take care of your family. Now stay tuned for the Business Leadership Moment. It's now time for a Business Leadership Moment on East Idaho Entrepreneur's Podcast. Hi, welcome to the Business Leadership Moment. This section is brought to you by RiseCon. RiseCon is an East Idaho business conference. It's held every November. And we also have RiseX, which is the sister event held on a monthly basis. So lots of great opportunities to network. Please come and join us if you're interested in either RiseCon or RiseX. You can go to www.idahorisecon.com or www.risex.io. Hey guys, today I wanted to talk to you about sales. And we all, if we have a business, no matter whether it's B2B or B2C, we are in the business of sales. And I'm bringing this up because this week I had an experience on a mastermind call where I was challenged. I was talking about my coaching business and the changes that have happened in the COVID world with my speaking engagements and such. And um, I was challenged around what my mindset was around sales. And it gave me an opportunity to kind of ponder, you know, initially I said, well, I haven't really done a lot of sales because as a nurse, I didn't really have to sell my services necessarily, but I was selling all the time during nursing in a form of teaching people how to take care of themselves. And so that's a form of, of sales. Teaching is definitely 
a form of sales. And especially when you love what you do or you really believe in the thing that you have, that people, it can improve their lives. It doesn't ever feel like we're selling. Um, It prompted me to look up an article, uh, some information about it, and just kind of probe my own mindset around sales. I found a blog and it talked about why children are the best salespeople and how we can learn from them. And one of the stories in that blog was this little kid who found the most perfect rainbow stuffed fish and they couldn't live without it. And of course they went to their mom and said, mom, can I have this? And mom said, no, not today, sweetie. Let's put it back. And the little girl said, well, I've been good all week and you told me if I was good all week, I could get a prize. And mom said, it's Tuesday, honey. And she and the kid said, well, can I just keep it while I'm in the store? And mom said, sure. It's a lesson that we can learn from kids because never once does this kid give up on getting the toy. Um, She just switches tactics. And kids make excellent sales teachers because they can show us that selling is the foundation of relationship. And every relationship you have is about getting the other person to buy into something, share something, give something, or experience something with you. So when we can see how often we naturally sell, sales becomes easier and it you know it kind of helps us to stop fighting those sales instincts. I think we've gotten so caught up in the fact that uh I did. I got so caught up in the fact like oh I don't want to be a salesperson and not really realizing how often I actually do sell. And when I do that the best, it's something that I'm passionate about that I believe in. And um, so it kind of reinvigorated me. I've known this. This isn't brand new to me, but it certainly gave me that other idea about I've got to really define my success and figure out what is it that brings me joy and happiness and be able to share that with people. That is not a sales job. That is, I want your life to have joy and happiness and something that can really improve you. So just a little plug for that, you guys. Think about those kids in our lives and what great salesmen they are, what we can learn from them, and um, hopefully we can be energized by the fact that, you know, sometimes a no isn't really a no. Sometimes a no is a not right now. And so making sure that we have some process of following up on that. And then, you know, if we get a no, we get a no and we move on. And um, to be energized around that process of selling is what I was looking for. And I hope that some of these ideas and, and thoughts have been something that could help you if you're having any kind of troubles with sales or thinking about being a salesperson. Okay, guys, have a fantastic week. And we'll have you back here next week with a great guest. See you then. Thank you for listening to East Idaho Entrepreneur's Podcast. Proudly brought to you by Oswald Service and Repair. For all your car care needs in Eastern Idaho, let our family take care of yours. www.oswaldserviceinc.com.